We're back with the Line to Gain podcast, episode 15, uh, reviewing week 14 of the 2022 NFL season. My name's Jeremy Dixon, your host as always, and with me, like every week, my guy, Mike Parker. Hello, everyone. How's it going, Mike? That's going pretty good. Had a pretty pretty good week of football, I feel like. There were some, there were some uh, interesting games, some games that blew my mind for sure. Uh, but yeah, do you want to get to our betting? Uh, yeah, let's. Our let's, betting woes in my going. case, at least. <laughs> All right, you wanna you wanna lead it off? Yes, yeah, sure. My first pick was uh, Cleveland at Cincinnati. I had Cincinnati minus six and a half, which hit. Uh, but the second leg, the over fifty seven and a half, did not. That was. Uh, That's a pretty big over under for the NFL. I figured some more running offense, a couple more touchdowns from Cleveland uh, against right. that defense. Um, they were. Um, they give up some points and there are games where Cleveland can pull it together. Um, what I didn't take into consideration is how bad um, Watson was going to be. Well, I, I mean, I kind of did, but I just thought, I thought anyway. <laughs> I'm continuing to hope. I mean, yeah. I hope he finds himself out of the league, honestly, but um, I figured that running game would make up for it. It just hasn't. Um, yeah. Anyways, that was plus two fourteen. I lost that. My next one um, was Tampa Bay at San Francisco. I took San Francisco money line and the over 37 and a half. That was plus 173. I ended up hitting on that. I won that one. Uh, my next one, Philly minus seven at the Giants was minus 20. I hit on that. The Baltimore-Pittsburgh game. This one was close. I had uh, Pittsburgh minus two and a half. Um, didn't get that one. And then lucky enough on this Minnesota at Detroit. I picked Detroit minus two and a half. And uh, that was minus 110. So I'm up $447.27 on the week and a whopping 663.93 overall of the season. So a big, big week for me, betting-wise. Nice, man. Nice, nice. Um, yeah, I did not have any luck whatsoever. Um, uh, I think I was at $310 going into this week. I, I hit on the Raiders-Rams under 44.5 on Thursday Night Football. Um that I bet Dallas minus 17 against Houston. Mm. I actually looked on my betting app and I saw Dallas to win that game uh, on the money line was minus $2,200 or minus 2,200. So $100 would win you. Uh, if you bet on Houston to win the game outright, it would have been a $2,200 payout, I believe. And I was like, I almost just threw a few bucks on it just because it's like, that's a crazy freaking number. And in the NFL, you know, any any given Sunday, right? So Exactly. I was watching I that was game like, in the peripheral. Just yeah, like, it was like, I could not believe Houston was, I mean, Houston should have won that game, really. Like, uh, Dallas overcame a lot. I mean, they, they had to really yeah. get their shit together at the end of that game. Anyway, lost that one. Uh and then also lost Minnesota plus two and a half at Detroit. Apparently everybody, including Las Vegas, knew that Detroit was going to win this game. Um, I just couldn't. I was like, you know, Minnesota is 10 and two. Like, what the hell is going on? But then after I made the pick, I listened to Bill Simmons' podcast, and he was talking about some DVOA stat that I'm still not defensive. I don't know what the hell it stands for. But um, basically Minnesota was the worst since they've had this stat that kind of, I guess, measures, um, like, what a team's true record should be, like, all things being equal. Uh, uh, Minnesota apparently was the worst 10-2 and team since that stat has been a stat. So 
I was like, ah, maybe I should not. And I, and I kind of knew that. Like, I've heard that in the past. Like, they, all their games, they win close uh, for the most part. They're and, bad at offensive line. They can barely run. Their defensive line doesn't put a lot of pressure on people. Yeah. They're plus eight in turnovers right now, which is astronomically high. Um, there's a luck factor to, to some of the ways that they're winning games. I right. swear Kirk Cousins isn't looking at anybody when he no. heaves those balls downfield. He just, he just to knows spot. Justin Jefferson's down Yeah, there and somewhere. that helps, and that's a big factor of some of these winning games. But, yeah. I mean, I think you start to play good teams in the playoffs, I really right. don't think. I mean, I felt this way against the Giants. They were kind of like, now they're middling. The Giants are kind of in that space. They got depleted by the um, the Eagles this weekend, so... Right, so I'm down to, um, I believe, two hundred dollars even now uh, on the season. So, not not great. I'm not excited about it, but I'm uh, looking to make up for it this week. So there you go. We'll get into always it. the optimist. All right, so let's uh, talk about our observations of the games this week. Um, on buys were Atlanta, Chicago, Green Bay, Indianapolis, New Orleans, and Washington. So the first game we had on Thursday night was Las Vegas at the Rams. Now, this was a pretty ugly game all in all, wouldn't you say? Disgusting, man. <laughs> was... I, had, I actually had money on the game in real life, too, so I was, like, watching it like a hawk. Yeah. Uh, and, and hoping for a for – a, yeah, I, I had the Rams winning – or I had the Raiders winning the game and, and the over. So I hit the over but lost the, the, uh, the Raiders there thanks to Baker Mayfield but yeah well yeah, we'll get to him there were there was little to no activity in the middle of this game the yeah. second and third quarters it was really the tale of two halves Las Vegas scored on their first three drives and looked to be in control of the game in the first quarter right um, uh, then the game I think this was the turning point it got horrible after that INT um, by car that little floater on in the red zone where he just and at that moment, it seemed like the whole um, momentum changed. Right. And in the fourth quarter, and they were, they were ahead sixteen to three at that point. Right. Correct? Yeah. Right. It seemed like okay, we're 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 playing well enough. It's a it's a stupid throw, no question. Everyone on Twitter was like, "What the yeah. f was going on with that?" But they were far enough up, and they looked to have a control of the game where it may not have mattered. Well. Then in the fourth quarter, Baker Mayfield, uh, the maker Baker Mayfield show started. Uh, he was able to orchestrate two touchdown drives, 75 and 98 yards, respectively. His defense helped um, with forcing a three and out and a second car interception at the end of the game. So they stepped up when they needed him. I don't know. I'm not. This just is another kind of line item in the Baker Mayfield story. Right. Um, I still don't particularly think that he's a good NFL quarterback, but he was making some throws and he's always been a competitor and it seems like teammates like him. So there's some things that are valuable about having him in the, in the locker room. Um, and like I said, he just competes. Yeah. He yeah, likes I, to show, you actually, know, to I, prove people wrong. As we were talking about this, I just remember my actual, I had a, a parlay that was the under and the Raiders minus six 
And so I'm like, well, at least they'll push because they were ahead by six when they gave the ball back to uh, the Rams on the two-yard line. I'm like, there's no way Baker Mayfield is about to lead this team on a 98-yard touchdown. <laughs> like, what are the odds of that happening? And, uh, yeah, he did it. And well, I'm was, sure Amazon was, had the stat I was uh, on there, the probability score. Yeah, I was disgusted. It was 4.3% uh, <laughs> chance. <laughs> uh, they, uh, yeah, I mean, the Raiders are terrible. Like, they're terribly coached. They are... Uh, yeah, it's just Carr had a couple of. Uh, we had one great game, where um, Devontae Adams went off, and he had one good game that followed that, and they got a win. Uh, a lot of defense from that, uh, the the help from the defense, and then this game, he looks like he was out of sorts. I don't know what he's looking at. I don't know why he can't have some consistency with his reads, and it's not like they're running new things every week. I mean, maybe they are. I don't know, but yeah. it just. I, I question some of his decision making, honestly. They, yeah, I mean, it's just it's terrible, and I don't want to put too much more time into this game. But um, it's funny that Baker Mayfield can hop off of a plane and within be, forty-eight like, hours and seem much more put together than he can with a week's worth of practice. So uh, it's interesting, an interesting dynamic, and uh, it'll be it's going to be fun to watch and see how this plays out down down the stretch because we uh, as a Seahawks fan I need the Rams to beat Denver uh, on Christmas Day I think it is so anyway let's right. move on to the next yep New York Jets at Buffalo Bills um, for as high powered uh, an offense that Buffalo is supposed to have the the Jets defense did a great job holding them in check I thought yeah um, Josh Allen had a pedestrian 147 yards one TD and um, I don't know it, it's the team kind of only mustered 102 rushing yards. So they were kind of held in check most of the day. Uh, big story was how Buffalo defense destroyed White Mike. I mean, yeah. I think that was the difference in the game. He was picking himself him off out. the turf. Yeah, yeah they knocked him shot. out and then got him. He did come back in, I believe. But Yeah, yeah. Joe uh, Flacco, P.I., came in and fumbled. And Yeah, well, they already announced that uh, that uh, Zach, the Zach attack is the number two quarterback this week. So. Uh, we'll see what what I, you just said. What white Mike? So I'm, I'm giving uh, I'm giving Zach attack. A All right, run gonna get it a run. All right, we'll see. We'll take a poll, Twitter poll. Yeah. All right, um, yeah. I mean, the New York Jets couldn't run the ball, and he was you I mean, had White Mike throwing 44 times. I mean, that's not a recipe for success, no. especially against. Um, I believe that DVOA Buffalo Bills are number one on that list right now. Are they? Yeah, so it's, I, it's I heard really the Seahawks tough. were also really low. I like we, we they're mid range, like eighteen, nineteen. Yeah, yeah. We're definitely not where we, you know, where we should be at like an we, eight. And we five definitely. Team and we, yeah. Yeah, well, that I actually I checked like two weeks ago, so those numbers could have okay. changed uh, since. But okay. I'm sure Seattle dropped. Well, maybe next week we need uh, need you to do a deep dive on the DVOA stats. You can explain it to us all. Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, that was, uh, you know, I, I was I was anxious to see this game because I wanted to see how Mike White uh, performed just because I had, you know, I had mentioned in the last uh, episode that, you know, he came in, in uh, last year and had a great game, got injured in the second game, and then got destroyed by Buffalo in the third game. Mm-hmm. Just and, and, I mean, I guess he didn't get injured last week, but. Well, right. not not on IR injury, but he, right. he did threw for 268 yards. Yeah. He did take three sacks for 30 yards. That's Zach Zach attack numbers mm-hmm. right there um, for sack numbers. Um, 
man, I don't know what to say. He he stood in there. He like I said, they had him thrown for forty four um, attempts, he completed twenty seven of them. You know, not the best. If I'm coming out of that percentage. game as a Jets fan, I'm just like, we don't have a quarterback. We don't have any quarterbacks. You don't have team. an offensive line. That's, That's what I come true, out. Because yeah. I think you do have a quarterback if he has a moment to breathe. Because yeah, we'll he can see. make throws. And they're playing the Lions this week. I'm really excited to see to watch that game. I, um, the Lions are, are one of my favorite teams to watch now. And I, of course, want to see the Jets and what they That's an interesting doing. take. They are a fun team to watch. You never know what you're going to get. No. I love, I love, uh, like, I think Amon Ross, anyway, yeah, it's going to be a good game. We'll talk more Detroit about that. Detroit is like a box of chocolates. Yeah. You never know what you're going to get. All right. Speaking of not knowing what you're going to get, uh, Cleveland at Cincinnati. Uh, Deshaun Watson had another rough game. He was outplayed by uh, Joey B for sure. Um, the numbers are roughly the same, but Burrow looked like he was in command of the offense uh, while uh, Watson looked like he was confused and rushed. Um it's funny when you look at the stats and comparing that to what your eyes see in the game. This is kind of an example of how those two things can be very different. Yeah. Um, I felt with uh, Reader back in the Cincinnati front, um, Cleveland could never get their running game going. Um, it was a big win for Cincinnati. It's their fifth in a row, and they're getting hot at the right time. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, that's – yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. Cincinnati's kind of – yeah, hitting on all cylinders right now. Got um, Jamar Chase back. They got their full complement of wide receivers. Although I think T. Higgins either got hurt on the first play of the game or didn't didn't play. Um, I I was uh, I, I was playing against him in my fantasy football league and he got the guy zero points. I was just like, what the hell happened there? And then I looked it up and I think he got hurt on the first uh, play of the game. So. Maybe he has no um, offensive numbers. Yeah. So, yeah, I think uh, that, that's it. I guess that's a little bit of a concern for them, probably uh, long-term. Hopefully he's back right away. So that'll be an interesting thing to watch going forward, uh, where their receivers are at health-wise, because obviously Jamar Chase is still, um, you know, I mean, he's, he's healthy now, but, you know, who knows what NFL players 100% healthy at this point in the season anyway. So, uh, something to monitor down the stretch because I, I do uh, I have high hopes for Cincinnati this year. So I'm thinking they brought this Trenton Irwin in to replace T. Higgins. He had an okay game, 58 yards and a touchdown. Um, so I mean, maybe they do have the depth um, to weather that storm. Yeah, interesting. We'll see. I guess we'll see. All right. So we mentioned this game before. Houston at Dallas. Uh, Houston almost pulled this one off. Um, I would have loved the narrative after this game if that had happened. Um, but eventually the defense couldn't prevent an 11-play, 98-yard drive to take the lead. Um, right after that, Houston offense throws like an interception to end the game. It's just like there was no like heart left. They just once they got scored on, they deflated immediately. Uh, defense deflated, offense deflated. Um, this was an important win for Dallas uh, to stay close to Philly. I mean, I don't think they're going to win the east but i think if they continue with their trajectory they can at least get the first wild card seat uh so that fifth spot um so that i think that's going to be important uh coming down the road here um they're going to have a really they're going to play they'll end up playing the the uh, nfc south winner right 
which I think is a, uh, an yeah. advantage in the playoffs. You mean the uh, the division the that the Seahawks seed. are in last place in? Never mind. Go ahead. What? Because we've lost every team oh. in the NFC. So. <laughs> oh, that's right. We've we finished that. What do they call that? It's not a hat trick. It's a grand slam. Yeah, grand slam. <laughs> we completed the grand slam. All right. So, um, yeah, Dallas. The Dallas offense seems to play down to their competition. You ever notice that? Throwing picks when they shouldn't. And yeah, you know. yeah. Um, I thought it was really interesting that they went out and signed uh, T or uh, T Y Hilton. T Y Hilton this week yeah, and uh, didn't go go in with OBJ. I thought that was so weird. It's not like they have a choice necessarily. He's like a free agent. And right. Like he's dragging it out and doesn't really want to. He's slow playing this. And they're like, hey, we need to get get somebody in here. We'll see how healthy he is. I mean, hopefully he can get into that offense and you know be productive. But he's a little guy taking shots. I mean, he was. I think his last two years, three years with uh, Indianapolis Colts, he was he was hurt quite often. Yeah, so. he, he did not do well those uh, last couple of years over there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be it's going to you know. I mean, at the end of the day, to me, they're still the Dallas Cowboys until they go either to a Super Bowl or win a championship. I'm never going to trust them, yeah. especially with Mike McCarthy as your head coach. Like, There's going to be some moment where he needed to make a decision and he's going to mess it up for sure. Right, and not that Mike McCarthy didn't win a Super Bowl, but he also had Aaron Rodgers at quarterback and not uh, Dak Prescott, who I don't think is anywhere near the level of, of QB as, as uh, Rodgers. So. I think he throws one of the prettiest balls. Like That spiral is tight. He might decision making though. I'm trying to figure out if it's him or his team. That's the one thing that I'm not sure. I'm not sure because his. I don't think his receiving core is up to par quite yet. Um, So I wonder if you get a couple of guys in there that know how to run routes and you know kind of where to sit down and how to you know take that route different directions to where he's supposed to be throwing it. Um, Yeah, we'll see how it goes. I will say the defense uh, for Dallas they really stepped up in the second half. Only allowed three points. Uh, they caused a fumble, an interception, and a turnover on downs in that in uh, in the fourth in the second half. So and they held. Uh, there was like a goal to go, and they yeah they stuffed them. They had first and goal yep. from like the four yard line, yep. and they were able to hold them to a field goal, which you know ultimately turned out to be the one of the deciding factors in that game. So definitely, it turned up to a, like from a two possession game to a one possession game mm-hmm. to, uh, for the most part. All right. All right, anything else to add for that game? No, no. All right, so let's go to uh, Minnesota at Detroit. Um, this was the surprised, not surprised game of the week. Um, Detroit is in the middle of a little winning streak right now. They've won their last two and are five of their last six. So they're they're doing pretty good. Uh, their def- defense is starting to gel. They look like a playoff football team right now, at least in this like iteration of it who knows what happens in three games but right now they look good oh and oh yeah to your point golf is good at football he you know i don't know i know i keep i i always i I generally text mike once a weekend i'm like uh is so and so good at football again and we just didn't know it uh yeah jared goff man he's putting together a hell of a season that's for sure i mean they had some some rough patches early but he was dealing with you know deandre swift was out for a good portion of time um, even though Jamal Williams filled in pretty admirably, but um, you know what's his name? Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown missed a couple of games or got hurt early in games. 
and uh, missed some time. I know well, there was one game earlier this season he like got hit in like the first quarter and ended up with a concussion out for the game, rest of the game, and that their offense just kind of crumbled after that. So I think he might be the linchpin of what they're able to do because he's like kind of that. He reminds me of like Randall Cobb in like 2012 for Green Bay. Like they 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 were rumbling that he might be like on on pace to win the. Uh, the MVP award that year, or even like a Percy Harvin type thing. Like he's just kind of all over the place. Well, he runs better routes than Percy Harvin well, for yeah, sure. Okay. And I think he has uh, better hands. Probably. But I'm just saying like that kind of all, like do everything wide receiver. You can, you can hand it off to him. You can, you know, hit him. Uh, he's, he can line yeah. up in the slot, can line up. Outside. Well, he's certainly their best um, offensive weapon. That's for sure. Yeah. Cause I think Deandre Swift, if at his, at his peak is probably the, the, the most impactful weapon that they have. But he's pretty inconsistent, yeah. you know, drops some balls, doesn't hit holes right. So they talked about it in Hard Knocks that he's not, like, finishing his runs well. He's not getting vertical fast enough, and that's yeah. causing some problems. Um, but, yeah, to back to Jared Goff, 330 and three touchdowns today. I mean, if, you're, if that's what your quarterback's throwing, uh, if you lose, it's everyone else's fault, honestly. Yeah. No picks, no sacks. Yeah, couldn't that's, agree more, man. That's a pretty good day. Now, I will say, uh, despite all of this, Kirk Cousins did throw for 425 yards, and uh, Justin Jefferson broke a team receiving record with 223. I, I wanted to call that out. Impressive. Still lost the game, but I don't know. <sighs> yeah, it's a— it's yeah. frankly it's it's kind of a Minnesota Viking thing to do. Right. To throw for four twenty five, have a record in receiving and lose the game. I mean that's yeah. kind of what for me they're a twenty twenty team. They go for they're really good in the twenties. Yeah. In between the twenties. Yeah. No, they're uh yeah, they get they rack up yards for sure, man. They can move the ball. Uh it's just yeah, getting the ball in the end zone seems to be a problem yeah. right now. All right. So one of the surprises of this week was the Jacksonville Jaguars at Tennessee. Um, I think Tennessee blew a really big opportunity um, hosting a four and eight Jacksonville team here Couldn't to kind of just one. separate them from the rest of the people in that division. I'm not sure they're going to get caught, but I don't know. That could affect their standings. You know, are they third? Are they fourth? Like, where are they going right. to end up? I thought Trevor Lawrence seemed to be um, learning on the go uh, this week. He had another monster game. Went for uh, three sixty eight, three touchdowns, no picks. Um, and he added a rushing TD. So I thought he's he played very well again. Um, I saw this moment where he threw a pass, and I think it was um, number seven, whatever his name is. Uh, Evan Ingram, I believe. Uh, it wasn't Ingram then. It wasn't okay, well, seven whoever. Like, yeah, so, he, so he, he, he drops the ball, basically. He hits, the, he hits where he's supposed to be, just yeah. flat drops the ball. And you look at the body language of Trevor Lawrence as he – as he turns around, he's kind of like throws his head back, like in kind of disgust, yeah. but he catches himself like in that split second. And then he turns around and he go finds his receiver and pats him on the head and talks and, you know, gets in his ear and like, Hey, we can do it next time or whatever. Yeah. And I thought that was an interesting moment. He went from being like a kid to an adult right. trying to work as a team. And I think that's that learning, you know, I saw learning on the spot and I thought that was a pretty interesting uh, interaction there so just yeah. wanted to call in my that piece diversity out. section I, I talk a little bit about this 
show Last Chance You on Netflix, and uh, th- that's a lot about... You just discovered this? No, no. Okay. But the new season just came out yesterday, and I've already watched like half of it. Football or the basketball? Basketball. Ooh, I'm in. Uh, I didn't know anyway, it yeah, it's uh, it's on there, and uh, anyway, that that goes a lot. Like it's it's a maturity, man. It's the like taking accountability for your actions or for not playing well or whatever, or being that leader. You know, it's just yeah, it's it, it's all tied together. Zay Jones, that was the guy that I was okay. thinking. Of. Anyways, um, yeah, I agree. So to me, this game really demonstrated Tennessee's weakness. If the defense and the running game are not working in tandem. They're far too limited in the passing game to pick up the slack. If those two things aren't on fire, right? It, I yeah. don't. I, they can't win. Yeah. Well, they don't have any receivers. Um, yeah, no, exactly. Receiver. I mean, they. Well, that's my trade, point. You trade uh, what's his name to the Eagles, and well, the AJ guy they Brown. picked up with that 18th pick, who who what they got because of that is actually I right. think filling in the gap. What they don't have is a lot of people around him. Um, they rely heavily on their running game. And it's just, it's when it's great, it's great. But that has to come with a really good defense that keeps the, makes it a quick game, right? The game moves fast because they're constantly running. So the defense, if they can hold up in those, not not allow, you know, a lot of points to be put up on the board. Because once those points start going up, Tennessee just doesn't have the firepower to compete with that. And, you know, that's a funny thing is because, what wide receivers are going to Tennessee or to Seattle as free agents if they don't have to go there? If they're if they're if you're not drafted there, like why would you, you know, especially as a wide receiver, a lot of those guys are kind of like showtime, you know, uh, like flashy guys. Like the, you know, who wants to go live in a small town plus play for a, a team that you know is going to run the ball i don't know about nashville i don't know what the size of that town is there's a lot of cool things to do in nashville i'm sure yeah um no state tax there's always there's ways that you can you know finagle that i think biggest of all like if you're a uh, let me if you're debo or you're um Devontae adams uh, do you want your quarterback to be Tannehill? right if aaron Rodgers was there yeah but if Aaron right Rodgers system. was there, they're probably not run not not as much of a run oriented team either. But right. Yeah. Uh, it, it'll be yeah. I but mean, that's, that's my point. It right. has to be the situation. Who's your coach? Who's your quarterback? Right. It's less about the city, I think. I, if you're if you're like you have two perfect situations, and one's in Houston and one's in like Wisconsin, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe you pick Houston, you know, versus yeah. Green Bay in yeah, that scenario. Exactly. So I took a look. I mean, one of the hot takes I had before the season started was how what a, what a Trevor Lawrence was going to look like. I had him in a top eight quarterback in the league, and I was really starting to go, I don't know if this is going to happen. I think I had him at like 4,300, 4,800 yards. He's at 3,202 right now passing. With um, what, four to go? Yeah, so it's unlikely he gets to that 48 number, but I'm looking at his touchdown to interception ratio, and it's much, much better this year. So he has 20 touchdowns to six interceptions and four rushing touchdowns. So I think we might be able to over these next two games, if they're not just playing like trash and not giving and not caring, if he's really pushing it, I think he might be able to get into that top 10 range uh, based on his stats and they're running really up and down his defense this week. So that might be tough. Yeah. It'll be tough for him to get up there. I think he'll end up on the ground a lot (laughs) in that game. Probably. I don't know. Just to track that a little bit. 
Yeah, no, interesting. All right, so next game was Philly at uh, the New York Giants. So last week we saw some big performances um, in Philly's passing game. You know, Hertz and Brown and Smith putting up huge numbers. This week was all about rushing. Um, as a team, they ran for 253 yards and four touchdowns. Hertz added another 217 passing and two touchdowns. I mean, it was just a blowout. Yeah, I was uh, that. Was, I didn't even watch a minute of that game. I just saw the highlights. It was yeah. I mean, it was it was on from the get go in that one, and uh, the Giants did not come out. Yeah, so it was that unscathed. Yeah, they know. pulled they they pulled their starters. Uh, Philly did after with five minutes left in the quarter, and even. Um, Gardner Minshew went down and, and got a touchdown. Yeah. So it was one of those games. So I have a question for you. Which of these teams is more out- impacted by the outcome? Is Philly better off with the win, or is is the, are the Giants worse after the loss? Like, what, what means more to them? I would say the Giants are probably impacted. Because, I mean, the Giants... The Giants are already They're like somewhat on the lives. bubble, and yeah, yeah I mean, uh, there's, I, I think there's no way like uh, uh, Philly's probably already clinched a playoff spot at least. So, yes, yes, um, yeah, they. I would say definitely the Giants uh, losing would be more impactful to them. All right, there you go. All right, Baltimore at Pittsburgh. Um, I hated this game. Ugly. I hated watching Mitch Trubisky. Ugly. Kenny P-, Kenny P left the game with a concussion, and uh, Trubisky comes in and throws three interceptions, two of which were inside Baltimore 25. Um, the game Cost them the game, there's no doubt. Absolutely. No doubt. Uh, this game was less about Baltimore finally having a clean, solid win and more about the Trubisky show losing Well, and the Baltimore game. got up 10. Like Baltimore finds a way to go ahead by double digits in every game they play, it seems like, and they They've lost like all the games they've lost this year. They've been ahead by double digits at some point in the win. I mean, in the loss, and then I think we can put this Trubisky as a starting quarterback thing to bed. I don't think he's even a backup because I don't know what he's looking at. No, he he seems like defenses can really just like we're going to disguise this and make him throw it here, and then our safety's going <laughs> to yeah. intercept the ball. I really thought it was after him being in Buffalo there for a couple of years, backing up Josh Allen that maybe he was going to learn because I mean th- those guys could be you know those are kind of similar quarterbacks they're bigger they can run the ball though um you know they both have like fairly good arms like big arms to go downfield I thought maybe he would have picked something up in that I, I honestly thought that uh Dable might bring him to the Giants to uh Trubisky yeah I was just like well they, they Danny I mean is Trubisky that much better than Danny Dimes going into this season Wait, I mean, is wait. Danny Dimes that much better than Trubisky going into this season? Apparently, yes. Apparently, yes. So. And the professionals should know that. Yeah. <laughs> I think people look at Trubisky and just go, no. No, thank you. I don't think Pittsburgh had any other I mean, he's got a lot of measurables, choices. man. Like, he, he, all the measurables, it's just he can't. He doesn't make good decisions. The throwing isn't one of them, though. Never has been. <laughs> no, no. He definitely has not ever been the most accurate quarterback. Okay, cool. All right. KC at Denver. Um, this is the antithesis of the Trubisky uh, show. This is uh, Patrick Mahomes, obviously. He also threw three interceptions, but he stayed diligent, and he was able to rally for three touchdowns. Um, I think this is probably Russ's best game uh, this year, throwing for 247 and three touchdowns. He was injured on this. Like, I know he was really trying to get into the end zone, like he put himself on the line, so I give him respect for that. He ended up what what looked like a concussion. I don't know if you do you know if it 
It was. Yeah, he's in the concussion protocol. Okay, so, I mean, he's he's a human being, right? So I, I don't like to see him, people get hurt or anything like that, but I don't know. Um, I thought he did what he had to do to win that game. Um, and he got, I mean, he got knocked out in, like, Russell Wilson fashion. Yeah. Too. Like, his eyes are rolling back in his head. I was just like, yeah. damn, I feel bad. And then, like, when he got up and he had the, did you see the knot on his forehead? I did not, no. It was gnarly. And it was from under his helmet. Like, he had, I mean, it looked like one of those hematomas, like, uh, boxers get. Oh, right. It was wild, man. I couldn't believe it. Well, he definitely got fucked up. Um, yeah. But honestly, Mahomes, this is what proved to me Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league. What? Yeah, I mean. Not at the top of the pyramid. Yeah. No question. No doubt about it. All right, moving on to Tampa at San Francisco. Um, generally speaking, I am afraid. <clears throat> I'm a fan of Tom Brady. Um, at least I understand his value in the league, in history, right. and his place in it, honestly. So, but I'm kind of enjoying watching him go through this uh, this hardship on the football field. I don't know what it is. His body language on the sideline is very apparent to me. He does not believe in this team. No. I mean, good Lord, man. They got boat raced. Like, what was it, 35-0 before? And then they, they tacked a touchdown, a touchdown yeah. on at the end. Like, my God. And it's going to be – I mean, Brock Purdy looked pretty good. He didn't have to do a whole lot, but – um, I mean, they, they, this, they were off to the races from the jump off. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I highly under – I think we're redoing our, our power rankings this week. I would have San Francisco a lot higher. I think I had them, like, number nine or ten. Uh, or maybe it was just down at seven. But, anyway, like, they, uh, they're one of the – I mean, it's, I, I feel like it's them and the Eagles right now in the NFC. So Well, of course, yeah. Um, I, I think it's what can, Tom, what can Brock Purdy do is, I think, where you're at with that. And he's got to go into the freaking hawk's nest this week into the den. Whatever. Like, let's see what happens. <laughs> Lots of touchdowns. This guy hasn't, this guy <laughs> hasn't uh, ever seen a home crowd like the Seattle Seahawks. So the thing with Purdy is I think they were talking about he was on the scout team because he was third string and then he was second string when they were – when um, Trey Lance went down. Well, when no, when uh, Jimmy went down first. So they had him on the roster as the second. And then when Jimmy came back, oh, right. they moved him to third. And then Trey Lance goes down. Obviously, Jimmy moves up. And then he goes down, and here he is. Yeah. But he ran the scout team. So he's playing against one of the best defenses in the league over and over and over and over again. And those guys were all hyper vigilant in, in praising him coming out of that he seems to know he what he's over. doing and some of the throws he would make like i didn't even see like iuke in one of those passes in a like a bunch of defenders right i didn't even see him and mm -hmm. he just all of a sudden hands come up he, i mean purdy put it right in there um i've been impressed by the way he's played i again this isn't like me saying he's you know, the next great thing or anything. We'll see what happens when he gets hit a few times and see if that. Yeah. Jars I, saw, his... I saw a tweet come out from somebody like a writer um, that covers Iowa state football. And he had asked Brock Purdy about, um, cause he was recruited by Alabama as well. And he said that he went down um, to Alabama on an official visit or maybe a, just a, uh, going down for an unofficial visit on his own dime but either way he got to meet with Nick Saban and Nick Saban was like well you're you're undersized and 
uh, you're, you know, you're not fast enough and uh, you're, you're inaccurate, you're, you're inaccurate and blah, blah, blah. And, so and he, he said, as soon, Jones? well, he said, as soon as he told me I was inaccurate, I knew like, he didn't even know who I was. I probably hadn't even watched my film because that's like the only, like, the that's only the thing one thing do. that I definitely <laughs> know that I'm good at is accuracy. So, um, and that's, I mean, well, I'll be damned if yeah, he's not accurate. Yeah, he's he really good throws out there. He looked pretty good, man. And the defense is defense. Probably the best. They're, in, they're, uh, they're the best in the league. I don't know what that's. Gotta be. They just look like they're in sync. They're having fun out there. Yeah. They sit on the bench. I watched like Greenlaw. He sat down and went like, I can't believe they did that. He's just. Yeah. I don't know. They're really good and scary. All right. Speaking of scary and defenses, um, let's look at Carolina at Seattle. Uh, the big story here is that the Seattle defense was horrible. Um, I they, mean, is that a story? Like, it's pretty well. Common. It's a story for the game. It's not. Oh, it's not man. a. It's not a breaking story right. in the world. But this is this is the headline of this particular game. You terrible. see what I, see what I got going here? This is... <laughs> it's terrible, Mike. I got I got bitter feelings about this. All right. So <clears throat> early, I think of the last couple of weeks. One of my points was in order f- football more than any other sport, both sides, offense and defense, have to be simpatico. You can't have a team that can't stop another team's offense, and and then an off or an offense that just three and out, three and out, three and out. Right. Either way, you're either forcing your offense to score a whole bunch to keep up, or your offense or your defense is sitting out on the field for for a majority of the game, getting exhausted. Right. And I thought that's how Seattle was was that latter part, like. We spent a lot of time. We, we, we spent some time looking at um, possession time, time of possession, and Seattle was far less than their opponents over the last two or three weeks. And I thought there's this point in the game where the defense starts to break down. We've seen this, you know, I've seen it over the history of me watching football. You know, we've talked about it. Right. It's so important that the offense can get out there, even if it's. They don't score necessarily. Like a really good defense, they just need a little bit of rest and recovery, right? So even if it's like an 11-play, 12-play drive that ends in a missed field goal, doesn't matter. Part of the battle is you're not just putting your defense out there over and over again. So I really thought there was a piece to this that that's why the, the defense was kind of trending so bad. But here's what we learned. In this case... They get out on the field and they're like right away. They're horrible. They can't even be tired yet. Right. So um, my guess from what I was seeing is they were really scared for some reason for Sam Darnold to throw deep and they weren't, they weren't just hammering down on the run. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. But then even like at different points in the game, they loaded the box and they still couldn't stop. Well, once, once you're in quicksand, it's really tough. You got, you got a team going downhill it's just I don't know. It was it was pathetic. I thought Gino still. I mean, Gino did throw a couple interceptions, but he still ended up with three touchdowns and close to three hundred yards. And I, I definitely and he had no running game. We were, I think the Seahawks as a team ran for forty six yards on the day, and uh, just yeah. I mean, obviously our our top what three running backs were out of the game, but that's still unacceptable. Man, you got to run for more than 46 yards and you know Carolina's got a decent defense but this Seahawks team I think is just they've been playing over their heads this year a little bit and I I don't think they were a seven and five team like you know legitimately and they just got exposed again 
So there's about three or four games that we played this year. I think Tampa, uh, Las Vegas, um, Atlanta, this game, where even New Orleans, we were right there. So four to five games that we should, we were, I think, our better team or had an opportunity to win. Yeah. But as it stands right now, this is a tough four games for us. I think my guess is maybe we'll win one of them, and that's at the Rams. Um, yeah. But we got, obviously, we got San Francisco this week on a short week. Um, doesn't look good. That favors defenses. Um, we're at Kansas City the week after that. We host the Jets, which are not an easy out, and they're playing for their uh, playoff um, lives here. And then um, we got Baker Mayfield and the Rams in our final game. It's a tough four games. Um, I predict we're probably going to be eight and nine. As for Carolina, they're second in the South. They're one game behind Tampa um, after the win. I mean, that thing's still up in the air. Yeah, yeah, I really – Big win for them. I know I texted you at some point uh, that the Seahawks weren't making the playoffs and you – so do you think Carolina is making the play? You're like even hotter take. Even Carolina hotter take is making the playoffs. Um, yeah, I think. I think Carolina as a team is better than Tampa. I think you're right. The way they play. Sorry, I interrupted. Did you have? No, no. I'm just. It's going to be interesting to see who gets that last wild card in the NFC. Because there's, I think Detroit is right there. I yep. like them. Carolina. Except Detroit has to get one game better than Seattle because we played them head-to-head and beat them earlier this year. So. so I did a little exercise. We'll get into it after we finish up our reviews okay. here. I didn't tell you about this, but we'll run through kind of what the playoff situation is and take a look at some of the quarterbacks that are going to be in the playoffs. And we'll discuss whether you believe that we should be scared of those quarterbacks or not. Okay. How about that? Sounds good. All right. So next game, Miami and the L.A. Chargers. Um, Say what you will about Brandon Staley as a head coach, his game management decisions, or his uh, high usage of fourth down conversion attempts. He sure knows how to develop a defensive scheme for the modern offense. Yeah. I don't know. Couldn't agree more. DBs were playing inside leverage against those Miami route concepts all day, not allowing two to throw into those windows Mm -hmm. um, in the middle of the field. That's their bread and butter for the most part. Um, I saw this one one play when I was watching the highlights, kind of the rewatch. I saw the linebacker for the Chargers, Tranquil. He drops back like 20 yards in one play. He goes up to the line of scrimmage and right before snap just sprints back to a spot. And I go, it was like a deep Tampa 2 concept. Um, I guess the counter to this would be to run against the light box. Even when you got, you know, two high safeties, the counter to that is to, to run it. You have to run it. Um, and the good teams, like the Rams last year, for example, were good at too high and stopping the run. Mostly because of Aaron Donald and uh, whatever that 91 guy is. I forget that, that kind of. Um, was it Greg Gaines? Yeah, Greg Gaines. That UW baby stand up. <laughs> that um, kind of anchor that defensive line, but right. this is this is the thing that Miami didn't run very well. I, I think we're missing something. I think they're missing like a key piece, that bigger back that can beat up those defensive fronts. Um, they have a lot of light guys, quick guys, um, get hurt a lot. Yeah, I mean, 
like zone running concepts they are they're good at yeah. hitting those holes and they're fast but when you need to just pound a defensive front into the ground and right. punish them for playing the, high like that yeah they don't have the players for that and then Tyreek Hill gets injured on like just a fluky play at, at the towards the end of the first half uh, actually it might have been the last play of the first half and and it was just weird he kind of got he got the little limp as he was running feet, into well, the end zone. No, his feet got tangled up with uh, with one of the linebackers from uh, San Diego or from the Chargers and just went down. Like they didn't even go down. He just kind of yeah, he kind of limped off, and you didn't even know they nobody noticed it. And then when he came out of the locker, when they came out of the locker room, uh, I think that the the Chargers were on offense first, and they they came down to the sideline reporter and said, "Oh, Tyreek Hill's questionable to come back in." He did come back in, but. Uh, you know his his number one skill set is his speed. So it's uh, you take away, give him a bum bum leg, and you're gonna gonna have some issues. So yeah, I guess in that case. So that's why like it's good to watch, but you you get them for five, four or five years, maybe six. Chris Chris Johnson is a perfect example of that. Just takes the NFL by storm as a running back for for the Titans. Mm-hmm. Runs for two thousand yards one season. And then just disappears. Like once you lose that step, that advantage, that speed advantage, like what else can you have? Right. That's what's so impressive by like LeBron, like by, you know, you just learn how to adapt. Michael, in fact, had that same thing where he comes in and he's getting beat up so that he works out and then he needs to figure out, he can't just dunk on everybody all the time. So I'm going to, I'm going to work on that mid range game on that turnaround, you know, all those different things, defense. Yeah. Some people would say LeBron <clears throat> has a lot of Lance Armstrong in him. What? Ben Johnson. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, maybe we won't. But <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> anyway, maybe it's uh, what did what did uh, Peyton Manning have? Like it's deer horn antler antler <laughs> juice, whatever yeah. that was. <laughs> I forgot about. Yep, yep. Deer All antler. Right. All right. So last game of the week, uh, Monday night, uh, New England at Arizona. I feel like Arizona has a pretty good roster on paper, um, but the pieces don't se- seem to fit very well together. It's it's weird. Uh, they, like I can't. Their secondary is pretty good, but there's like they don't seem to work together pretty good very well. Um, their offensive line is getting beat up. Uh, it's really you can see that it's hard for them to run. There's a lot of quarterback hits. Uh, they force several bad throws. The uh, the New England defense forced several bad throws, including that this one floating interception that uh, Colt McCoy threw. Yeah, I had some money uh, on this game as well. Uh, I had the over, and I had the Cardinals uh, on the money line, I believe. And uh, my night was over three minutes into the game when <laughs> Kyler Murray uh, had a non-contact injury for like the – 15th time a player's had a non-contact injury on that shitbag field they have down in Arizona. Uh, I mean, how many, like, Seahawks ended their Seahawk? I mean, that Richard Sherman played his last game as a Seahawk there. Earl Thomas, I think Cam Chancellor. Like, they just demolished the Legion of Boom with that field. That was the only, that was the kryptonite to our... The uh, only way that they could stop the Seahawks was to, like... (laughs) Rig the field to just be just. That's where they have the grass field that they roll in and out, right? And see, that's the thing. Like everybody's like, we need to get rid of turf fields. It's grass fields are, are the way to go. You're gonna have way less injuries. But man, that field is not the. I one. I guess it depends. Sometimes they when that we're looking at that Detroit thing where they moved in the circus and they moved them back out and brought mm-hmm. in the field for the for the Bills and stuff. 
that looked like it was on a literal like concrete floor i wonder if there's a way to kind of manufacture it so there's a little bit of give underneath there so you don't have the concussions and things right. like that i don't know i don't know what the perfect answer That'll is be interesting but yeah anyway. all i know is i've hit the ground a few times the actual ground and it, it hurt like fuck too so yeah i was actually talking to a friend about um anybody who's from western washington uh stadium bowl in tacoma it was actually in the movie um 10 things i hate about you also uh yeah. that was came out in the late 90s early the stadium 2000s. high school stadium high schools yeah. uh their their field like when we when we played there you know i graduated in 98 but um so like 97 98 it was like literally concrete with like a it felt like you had just had that fake green like rug that people put like on their back decks was or it something. field turf or astro turf no this was astro turf but it was there was no there was very little turf yeah. and it was mainly just concrete it looks it like hurt. the old philly veteran stadium yeah. or something because like usually that. you walk on an astro i mean at least back in the the mid to late 90s you'd walk on an astro turf field and you could feel kind of the cushion of the it bouncy the bounciness yeah. of it and this was like felt like you were walking on you know a a concrete floor is so so we're clear that's the turf you could like wear sneakers on like yeah that's like um walter payton had those ruse with the little tiny nubs right. that he ran on the turf with yeah i think a yeah. lot of the guys on our team used to wear like the soccer uh like the indoor yeah. soccer cleats yep. that were like really really short like, got it got yeah. it all right um another flaw i guess is um the size of their uh front seven the cardinals um, Simmons, who's kind of like that cornerstone kind of middle backer, um, is only 238 pounds. Yeah, he's pretty small. They run a base 3-4, so it's imperative for linebackers to be active and make those tackles. He seems to get caught up in the in the wash quite a bit. Um, on the New England side, they're pretty good at beating bad teams um, that are not well coached. Um, Arizona, I think, counts for um, both one of, of these teams. Yeah, Both of those yeah. uh they check both boxes point belichick i guess yeah all right all right well that's our uh that's our week in review uh let's let's take a quick look at some playoff scenarios so okay. we'll start with the nfc right now well as i checked yesterday um tuesday december 13th uh, it was philly I guess nothing happened since. So. Yeah, there's not been any games. <laughs> I guess there will be. A, the Seahawks and 49ers will probably play before you hear this. Yeah. But um, anyway, go ahead. Yeah, so Philly, Minnesota, San Francisco, Tampa Bay are your division leaders one through four. And then your wild cards uh, are Dallas, Washington, and the New York Giants right now. So wild cards still in the hunt. We have Seattle and Detroit. And... We still are still alive, really, I think, are Carolina and Atlanta because they can still potentially get um, an NFC South. NFC? So you're eliminating Atlanta then? No, or I have. You said Atlanta? Yeah. Who's the yeah, Carolina, New, Atlanta, New Orleans? New Orleans so yeah. You're eliminating New Orleans? Yeah. Okay. They do play Atlanta this week, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that one with Desmond Ritter taking over for Mariota. We'll see. That even actually kind of makes my point if we want to include them. Yeah. Um, because here are the quarterbacks that are going to be in um, the playoffs this year, Okay, potentially. Hurts, Cousins, Purdy, Brady, Dak, Heineke, Danny Dimes, Geno Smith, <laughs> Goff, Jesus Christ, Darnold, Ritter, wow, and then 
The red rifle. The red rifle. So are you scared of any of these guys? I mean, Tom Brady's name would still scare me, I I guess. But on that team? No. I mean, no, none of these, none of these. I don't. Are striking I don't theory. even think Tom Brady lives in a world where he's going to turn this team into a Super Bowl championship champion, and he knows no, it. No, I think you're right. Uh, yeah, that's. I mean, San Francisco's got to be feeling pretty freaking good. They have the best defense, defense, and they're just gonna. Yeah, I. I'm hoping that the defense for Philly figures out kind of their inconsistency problem. I think their offense is on fire. Hurts right now is probably the best out of every quarterback in the NFC full stop. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, it's funny because I'm interested. Like, uh, I didn't realize Brock Purdy, like, strained his oblique or something in the game um, on Sunday against Tampa Bay. And now uh, they – like, I looked on my betting site uh, today, Wednesday – um, and they didn't even have the San Francisco Seattle game listed because I think they're like maybe worried that they don't know what the points. I mean, because the point spread like listed point spread is minus three, but they didn't even have the game available to bet on. Because I was going to go on and bet San Francisco minus three all day because I think uh, Seattle doesn't have a snowball's chance in hell of beating San Francisco's defense. No way. But uh, and I was going to bet the uh, the under, but. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I don't know. Like that's going to be an interesting thing to see if Brock. I mean, hopefully Brock Purdy can stay healthy for the 49ers' sake. Um, but yeah, it's going to. You know. I will say that I think Seattle is breaking out a pretty dope combination of uniforms. Yeah, we got our we got the we got the action green or whatever with out. with I think the blue pants and I like think it. it's really going to pop. I, I like think that'll it. be really cool. All so, right, so there's if, there's if, some if, there's if, something uh, to watch. If, yeah, if a uniform uh, style, <laughs> a, lot is of, a lot of Seahawks, yeah. Seahawks on their backs. Yeah, yeah. All right, um, so let's just really quickly run through the AFC. This one looks a little bit more promising. Yeah, if you're I would on, imagine. So uh, Buffalo, Kansas City, Baltimore, Tennessee are your top four. Um, your current wild cards are Cincinnati, Miami, New England. Cincinnati and Baltimore play one more time. That could decide that. But they're both eight and four. Um, in the wild card hunt, we still have the LA Chargers at six and six. Um, I think seven and six actually, and the uh, New York Jets. Now Jacksonville still has a puncher's chance to win that AFC. They're going to have to go on an, a like a four game winning streak and hope that Tennessee just kind of like craps on the field um, yeah. to make it. But I just threw them in there for giggles. So I think to me, there's probably about three people that you're really this year scared of. Maybe three and a half. So let's run through them real quick. Josh Allen. Yes. You're scared. Patrick Mahomes. Absolutely. What's your feeling about Lamar? Look, depends watching where him today? he's at. Depends, I mean, depends on how he bounces back from this. this uh, but let's put him three weeks ago. How much are they scoring? I don't know if I'm scared. I'd give him. I'd give him the half. You give him the half. Yeah. Wait. Okay. So we said three and a half, right? Yeah. Okay. Tannehill. No. No. Joey B. Absolutely. Yes. I am terrified of that dude. Uh, Tua. No. No. Mac Daddy Jones. No. Uh, Herbert. Does he get a half? Yeah. Is this one of those I have seven bass situations and you have like. 14 half yeah. bass. I think I'd give him two. <laughs> I'd give, I'd give, uh, yeah, three, three that I'm scared of and two halves. Okay. And then White Mike and Trevor. 
I'm no. not really scared of those guys either. I mean, Trevor, I feel like Trevor, though, he's still, he flashes, man. And you're just like, holy shit, this guy. His, can really up, his upside's pretty. But I don't think with that, like, just like you said with, uh, uh, what's his name? With that team, I don't think, yeah, Tom Brady with that team, I don't think you're worried. I don't think you're really worried with Jackson. Like, Jacksonville doesn't have the surrounding cast yet. Brady's the name for sure. But in context of what's happening this season, this is probably the less the least spectacular starting quarterbacks i've seen in a per, per, projected for a playoff for the nfc for a long time for a long time long long time yeah. yep that's that was interesting man i'm glad you uh glad you threw that in there all right so let's what are we looking forward to this week week 15 predictions maybe some games you want to see uh well the game, the one game I really am looking forward to, Mike, I already mentioned, was the Jets and Lions. I'm hoping that, that uh, your boy White Mike plays. Uh, but I just want to, yeah, I, I'm really anxious to see what can Goff and that Detroit offense do against the Jets defense because they are playing uh, lights out right now, the Jets defense is. And really so is the Detroit offense. So um, it's going to be fun to watch. And, and then it's it's kind of like strength on strength and weakness on weakness because it's the, the Jets offense versus Detroit's defense isn't you – know, Detroit's defense isn't anything to write home about. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a fun game to watch. I think it should be pretty entertaining. So they're part of my section that I wrote in here. I call it weird science. Just guys from Vegas with underwear on their heads trying to figure out how to handicap these games. Right. That was one that came up. Detroit minus one at New York Jets. Yeah, I'm and like, it's, it's even where do you today, go with that? I think. I think yeah. it's even moved to even now. So, yeah, it's a, that's a – San Francisco, three and a half only. That, 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 it was down to three. That's I was trying to go bet it today, and it wouldn't, they wouldn't – they'd taken it off the board on the website I used. So. Four and a half, minus four and a half, Dallas over Jacksonville. I saw it. That one's at minus four now, too. Like it's crazy. Cincinnati minus three and a half at Tampa. That's probably the most understandable yeah, one. That's one of my bets. Is is I took Cincinnati minus three and a half. This well, week. there's eight games with spreads of minus three and a half or less. Wow. Or at least when I checked yesterday, it seems to have dropped. All right. Anyways, I didn't mean to steal your thunder. What are your no, bets? No, uh, my bets this week. All right, I got Buffalo. I did a parlay this week. I'm, I'm diving into Mike's uh, Mike's shit. category here. Uh, she. <laughs> she. Uh, I took Buffalo minus seven and a half uh, against Miami uh, at home in Buffalo and the under 42. Uh, that will pay out $272 on a $100 bet. Um, I saw a stat that Tua hadn't won a game in the NFL under that was under 50 degrees temperature outside. And he's never even started a game that was below freezing. Well, welcome to Buffalo, my friend, because mm-hmm. it's going to be cold as hell, and uh, you're you might not have a great game or a great day. It does not look like fun. Um, so I got that one, uh, that that parlay for my number one bet. Uh, I got Dallas minus four. I I'll, I'll take it at four and a half because I just checked the lines today. But I'll if you had it already at four and a half, I'll I'll just go with that. So Dallas minus four and a half at Jacksonville doesn't really change my opinion. Um, I think just that Dallas defense is too good, man. And the offense is good, and the the defense is great. The offense is good, not great. But Jacksonville's defense is not good or great. So. Um, taking Dallas. And then the third one was Cincinnati minus three and a half at Tampa. I just feel like 
I feel like this one could come back and bite me because it's still Tom Brady and he just got his teeth kicked in by his hometown yeah. team. That that kind of worries me, but um, you still yeah. have to be able to like move the ball, right? Yeah, um, they're they're he, not doing it. They're not stopping the ball. They're not running. Or they're not yeah. moving the ball. It's just. I think it, that team's just like given up. It seems. It seems like. I mean, you're. You, I. You see it, like, with the Rams, too. I mean, they had a lot of injuries as well. But, like, sometimes you win that championship and you're on to the next one. You're still hungry. Sometimes you win that championship and your team, uh, you know, rests on their laurels. Sometimes so. you just spend to bring everyone in to win that championship and then you have no cap space yeah. left and guys have to leave in the core of your team. Your Guys are two or three years older. Right. You know how this works. You don't re- kind of – refill your coffers very well yeah yeah i think their exactly. fact that they have some really old injured not old old's relative right um older and injured receivers uh, no running game to speak of their line offensive line has been decimated right. so a lot of those things that made them a really quality team two years ago have all disappeared all right all done with your picks yep all right so today this week i like Indianapolis at Minnesota. I took Minnesota minus four and a half. Uh, that's a, a minus one ten. Um, you think they get back uh, back on their grind this week? I do. I think it's going to be hard for them to lose to to, to the Colts. Yeah. Honestly, um, I think Minnesota's better coach. They have a better. Their weaknesses are not going to be as exposed against Indianapolis. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't. I I just feel like Minnesota's off my betting board this year now. Like I just can't. I I'll don't jump wanna, in. I don't want to bet for on them or against them. I just feel like I don't the know way what Kirk, that team's doing. The way Kirk and Jefferson are playing right now, I mean, I think I can. Yeah. I, I think I can cover four and a half. Yeah, I would imagine. All right. Uh, also, Atlanta at New Orleans. Um, I took New Orleans at minus four and a half in that. I got Ritter out there. Who knows? And the under at forty two and a half. That parlay uh, pays out plus two thirty three. Um, I also took the Tennessee money line over or at uh, the Chargers. I think okay. the Chargers are really bad at Wait, stopping the run. You took the, the over or the under? I didn't. I didn't parlay this. Oh, I just okay. took the Tennessee money line. For, oh, I got. I got you. My bad. My I bad. said it funky. Money line. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I, that was thinking um, over under my. Yeah, I, I think that. Tennessee will can play defense against this team i think they can run the ball against the chargers i think they're going to just grind it out that actually would have been my next pick if i would have done a fourth the chargers really never have a home game yeah it's really just people wanting to go see a football game right um so anyways that plays out uh plus 130 and then finally i have the giants at washington i pick washington minus four and a half and the over 40 um and a half and so plus 223 i think coming off of the bye um rested up i'm expecting them to to be ready to play this game yeah. and uh i think the the giants defense that was so good at the beginning of the season and really up through about week 12 is starting to get tired and ground yeah. down to a nub and not not seeing a lot of uh, offensive output like we talked about earlier, the, the the compatibility or that that equal work that these te- it's starting to kind of move a little bit towards. Now the defense is having to cover it, and they're just that offense is not there, the running game's not there. Danny right. Dimes isn't you know getting it downfield. Yeah, they're We're definitely to, coming back to earth. Yeah, there's pe- teams are starting to figure out how to defend them offensively. So I think it's going to be uh, 
tough for them. Yeah, I could. Yeah, I agree. All right, so that brings us to Jeremy's question of the week. What do we have? All right, Mike. Uh, so Mike Leach passed away this this week. Rest in peace. Uh, coach of the Mississippi State. Um, I don't even know what their mascot is. Bulldogs. But, I was going to say Bulldogs, and I was like, is it the Bulldogs? Um, anyway, uh, and he was a longtime coach of the Washington State Cougars, Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what the hell. For all intents and purposes, yeah. a very loved yeah. individual. No, I mean, there. I heard a lot of great stories, but uh, you know, he is really an offensive kind of innovator, I, Air I would say. Type Air offenses, he, yeah. yeah, he kind of he perfected. He took Hal Mummy's – is it Hal Mummy? The, uh, I know he coached under Mummy at Kentucky when Tim Couch got the number one pick in the draft that year mm-hmm. in 99, I think, and uh, w- was able to, uh, you know, obviously that he really thrived in that offense. Quarterbacks don't really come out of that one too too well, uh, at least in the NFL, but the, the offense is, I mean, there there's not probably at any level of – football now other than maybe like peewee like little kids that they're not running some aspect of that air raid offense um either the mesh or you know there's just different aspects of it that everybody uses from top to bottom really um and so yeah he passed away this week and i was just uh, made me think like who of all the offensive kind of innovators uh from football over the years like who who's your favorite like what was your kind of uh favorite innovation that, that happened and who was the coach that kind of implemented that so um as i dove into this it was hard for me to come up with one because they kind of bled right into each other yeah um and um i really to answer your question i think the the most innovative offense is the spread motion offense okay. i think that changed the nfl game uh from three you know Two, two wide outs, three yards in a cloud of dust type of uh, football. So um, I'm going to give that to Sid Gilman. And we talked about him on season one of the podcast. He was the head coach of the San Diego Chargers. He introduced this spread motion concept that forced defenses to cover the entire field. So the prevailing offense at the time uh, were to use a very run-heavy concept that allowed the defense to cheat up in the box. Um, however, Gilman's offense using motion, moving a player from one spot to another pre-stap uh, to determine uh, what the defense was doing. Are they in man and zone um, where the open spots were on the field and it allowed the offensive players to get free release from the line of scrimmage? I think those concepts right there, trying to determine the defense, where the coverage is and also getting free releases. I think those are big steps. Now, this led into an offense called Air Coriel. So Don Coriel, also a um, uh, quarterback or a, a head coach of the uh, Chargers back during Dan Fouts. Right. He kind of made an extra innovation to Sid Gilman's spread offense that was designed to stretch the defense vertically. So Gilman was to essentially make the defense play the whole field, kind of east-west. Yeah. And then this one is to then stretch it out north-south. And uh, basically, you needed a few. You needed three things. You needed two wideouts that were fast to get downfield, and you needed a big arm quarterback to get it down there. Dan Fouts and those receivers um, on the Chargers were um, a good mix of that. And then, of course, you need an offensive line that's excellent at pass protect. Um, 
to allow for those those routes to develop. Now, the problem with this particular uh, iteration of this spread concept is that it's really hard. You have to have a very specific set of players in order to execute. This is where the um, the next iteration comes into place, and in my opinion, the one of the greatest innovators of offense in NFL history, and that's Bill Walsh. I figured you were going to have him in there somewhere. All right. So um, this is probably, in my opinion, the most important innovation uh, was the West Coast offense, what they call the West Coast offense now. This offense also uses those spread concepts and motions to manipulate defenses. They, but in this case, they use short and intermediate routes to stretch. This offense was important for a couple of reasons. One, it allowed teams to compensate for the lack of arm talent in the quarterback. It basically raised the team's floor. This is important because not everyone has a big arm quarterback. So with this scheme, you can plug and play almost every quarterback as long as they can hit spots. Um, the short intermediate concept, concepts were designed to maximize uh, yards after catch. So this increases completion percentage and gets the ball into the hands of the playmakers in space. We see this a lot in the San Francisco 49ers offense. They have what they call yak monsters on that team. So they, they get them out in intermediate routes and let them take it another 20, 30 yards. Um, the real beauty of this system, as I said, is it raises the floor of the offense. Even with a mediocre or backup quarterback, but if you find a transcendent talent at QB, it will also raise the team's ceiling. Like, I don't know of a lot of offenses that are able to do that, kind of raise the floor. And if you find that that perfect puzzle piece to that, it raises that ceiling too. And you can see that probably the perfect prototype quarterback for this system is Joe Montana. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, uh, I mean, that really innovated, uh, you know, that, that definitely turned things on its head. And like that West Coast offense, was was the offense in the NFL for Rich Gannon was in a Super 20 Bowl. years you know? Brad Johnson yeah. was a Super Bowl these guys were in Super Bowls because of of this offense right not great players but they were able to take the pieces from that offense accurate, accurate smart yep. they they just couldn't get it down they're not you know they didn't have John Elway arms right Joe Montana didn't have John Elway's arm yeah no it's true but it's true you could play that West Coast style for sure accurate absolutely smart all right there you go what do you think i like it man i was hoping you were going to bring up uh sid gilman though that was uh, i was glad you glad you went back that far well i, I knew um, i knew what my answer was going to be it was going to be yeah. bill walsh but i wanted to see how i could get there and, yeah. I, and as i started to kind of do the research for this i'm like i had to i had to mention these guys and then see the the maturation or the evolution of of that spread style yeah. now i have a book that i need to read that really goes in depth of where that spread came from it's like a high school in washington state where we're at uh back in like the 30s or something like that and it just kind of moved its way it wow. became popular in college um obviously and then has moved in, in various forms into the nfl so yeah, we should uh we should dig into that that might be a good off season uh off-season episode that'd be fun to to go back and trace the roots a little bit yeah definitely um i did uh want to tell a quick uh mike leach story that i heard on the radio uh this week after he passed away the floor is yours um rick neuheisel the former washington huskies coach and you know ucla bruins coach and quarterback back in the day uh buffalo's coach yeah buffalo colorado buffalo's coach um 
Yeah, he went. Uh, he said that he had heard a story that when Mike Leach was in college, uh, he was at Cal Poly, I think, as a maybe as like a fifth year senior or whatever, like graduate uh, playing. He never played football. He played rugby. And he went up and knocked on the door of the Cal Poly head coach, head football coach. Didn't know him, didn't have any like connections to him whatsoever, but said, I've come up with the perfect football play. You're welcome. Like gives him the play. The Cal Poly coach looks at it and he's like, that's great, but you got 12 players on the field. And he's just like, oh. He went back and like, you know, looked at it. He's like, oh, it still works. Don't worry about it. And that was like the basis of his. And then he got with uh, uh, Hal Mummy and those guys and was able to kind of tweak it. But he basically well, turned it ran, in from a play to a concept. Right. And but he basically only ran seven plays, mm-hmm. like some like variation on seven for, for passing plays anyway. And then like he had to bring in, you know, they had to like twist his arm to make him. Chip Kelly run was very similar. Yeah. Run very few, like very few concepts. You have per, per, very few personnel groupings, and it's basically it's tempo. Right. Get these guys in space. Tempo, tempo, tempo. Yeah. Keep the defense on their heels. They said that he would make receivers run because all the routes look the same. All the or all the the formations all look the same. So he would just make them run over and over and over and over again. The routes, the route tree, basically. And till it just was second nature to them. So they knew exactly what to do. And that's why, I mean, I'm going to sit down on, you know, 20 yards from the line of scrimmage. Right. Kind of thing. Right. And so, the, I mean, and the air raid broke all the rules or you know, all the uh, records, I mean, in, in uh, passing in college football. So, yeah, rest in peace to Mike Leach. I mean, definitely was a cougar, but I, the guy was hilarious, man. You could listen to him talk for, he, he said some of the funniest stuff, man. So big loss but he's putting chairs away on the sideline when they were getting routed mississippi yeah. state was that this season <laughs> oh man he's just putting chairs away like yeah all right this he, game's over he'll he would just like start talking about like some random off the wall subject it was like it, it, yeah and they they said you had to basically twist his like some of i heard a couple of different coaches being interviewed and they were like, you had to twist his arm to get him to talk about football. Like he wanted to talk about, you know, 15th century uh, Egyptian leaders or something. Like he just, he was not, he just had, there was so much more to him outside of football. Yeah. And I think you don't see that enough these days, but uh, gone too soon for sure. So, All right. Moving on to take corner. I got a couple. I got two takes. I think we might have, one. I have two takes as well. I think one of ours might be the same though. Interesting. Um, about regarding Marcus Mariota. Well, hmm. should I just go with mine and we'll just go, go with there? yours and okay. we'll, we'll just kind of team up on it a little bit. Marcus Mariota has played his last NFL game. That's my hot so. take. So my take on this season was he had a gentleman's agreement or whatever that he was going to be the starter. Should, should he earn it in training camp? Um, and I don't know if it's Arthur Smith. Does it seem to be? Or the team that's like, I'm not sure where this is going. Doesn't look good. I need to take a look. Maybe think of this. If they start, if they lose, we need to take a look at Ritter right now. If Ritter is good and we win some of these games and have a chance to get it into the into the playoffs, mm-hmm. then we have our quarterback. If we put him in now and he doesn't can't do anything, we then have an opportunity to get higher up in the draft in that top five 
maybe top six and see what's there at quarterback. So I, I guess I can understand why they would make this decision, but I think it really angered um, Mariota. I think he expected to be starter for this year. Yeah. I think in some regard he came back to be a starter for this team. And the fact that he's not going to be the starter either way. Yeah. So for um, for anybody who doesn't hasn't heard the story yet, the Atlanta oh yeah, Falcons the, setup, the yeah. Atlanta Falcons last week announced on their bye week that they were going to uh, bench Marcus Mariota and move on to Desmond Ritter, their I think third or fourth round draft pick from this past draft, um, the quarterback out of Cincinnati, yeah. and Marcus Mariota then disappears from the team. And no, we nobody hears about it until I think Monday or Tuesday, and they're just like, we don't know where he's at, uh, not with the team right now. Uh, don't know if he's coming back, which was very strange. Like I, I texted Mike right away, and he's like, I'm putting it on my my hot take, and I was like, that was the one that just kept like sticking in my brain too. So I was like, I was having a hard time coming up with with others, but yeah. And then today on Wednesday, they announced that oh, he's having knee surgery and he's out for the rest of the season. I feel like that's that save face. Yeah, but still, like, how – I mean, you don't leave your team and not – where nobody where, – where somebody within the organization says he's not with us, we don't know where he's at. Uh, yeah, I suppose I right suppose now. you shouldn't, but sometimes guys are just like, you know what, fuck this shit. Yeah. I didn't sign up for this. This right. sucks. I just want to play. I really didn't even want to come back, you know, and play. I was going to retire. He convinced me to do this. Was he going to retire? I mean, I that, hadn't heard that at this all. This is – this is – this is – this is my gut. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it could be true. Like, I yeah. He was a backup quarterback for the Ravens, or for the Raiders. Raiders. Yeah. He got in maybe two games in that tenure. I mean, he was on his way is out. That, I thought they were, like, bringing him in in kind of, like, wildcat formations mm-hmm. quite a bit, too. Yeah, Carr got hurt towards the end of that one season, oh, okay. and he came in, played, like, two games. Kind of played lights out, but they didn't win. Yeah. Um, so, and, you know, he entered, you know, free agency. My guess, this is, again, my guess, my gut. This mm-hmm. is, like, what I feel. Like, he, you know, you have to evaluate whether this is worth it anymore. All of the, the practice and all of the injuries and – all of this he's definitely lost a step yeah um he is not the same player he was at oregon or even at tennessee when he got back here he's not not as athletic and he never was a very good passing quarterback he's taken some shots you know they gotta you know he's like a 48 year old man you know from an nfl perspective out there running bootlegs well i feel like even if he wasn't going to retire or wanted to come back and play i think this probably episode regardless ends his nfl career I just don't think that anybody's you, – you leave your team. I think that it's uh, – especially if you're not like a superior talent to anybody No one else. gives any fucks that he left that team. No one. Well, I don't know. No one. If he, if he is good enough and available and people want that's him, they, will, they will take – That's what I'm saying. He's not good enough to well, That's the like ultimate that. thing. That has nothing to do with him walking out. It's really can he play the game or not. That's yeah. what it comes down to. Well, at least he didn't Antonio Brown it on his way out the door throw his jersey it was kind of fun to witness but he i mean he's turned into a pretty big degenerate i don't really want to talk about that dude oh with the tweet you don't want to talk about the tweet i don't want to talk about antonio brown at all guys dust man all right my next hot take kyler murray will demand a trade before next season you think so there is a buzz on the streets where guys are questioning tyler's dedication to the idea of the team 
Um, with this injury, he'll be away from the team for quite some time, and his acrimony and discontent will grow. Um, Kyler really has not struggled like this at any point in his playing career. He is on a bad team. Uh, he is getting some blame for that. And I believe that he feels that it's, quote-unquote, their fault. I could see it, man. I, I could. I mean, Look at his body language. Oh, yeah. He's it's like, the worst. He was, like, getting in arguments on the sidelines with uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Like, yeah. that's – DeAndre Hopkins seems like one of the most easygoing guys there is. So. I think the worst the worst body language I've ever seen is Jay Cutler because it's not – he didn't yeah. even care enough to, to argue with anybody. Yeah. I wonder if Kyler Murray at some point realizes he's getting too beat up playing football and tries to go back to baseball. Uh, no. Yeah. I would say there's not a possibility that that happens. You don't think so? Yeah, no. probably not. You think it's too much. Of I, I don't think he thinks of things like that. He thinks he has, I'm really good at this. Yeah. I just am not on the right team. I'm yeah. going to demand a trade. The problem is he's still what I, I mean I don't even know what his contract is like 230 or 220 or oh, something God, like that. Man, I mean crazy. they just re-upped him. I don't well, even yeah, know. They're probably they probably can't even get rid of him. He might try to demand a trade, but you're not how are you getting rid of that? They're probably that what's going to happen? They're going to fire Cliff Kingsbury after this who's a Mike Leach descendant by the way. Yeah. Uh they're going to fire him. Quarterback there. Yeah, they're going to fire him after this season. They're probably going to let Kyler Murray have some kind of say in who the next head coach but is. But I don't think it's just Cliff, though. I mean, I agree with you. I, I, I mean, don't that's think the that's what they do should it. do. I don't think I, I think probably getting rid of him would be the easiest thing. But you just I mean, it's just like Russell Wilson. Like, you know, they're like, oh, can you know, everybody, all the talking heads are like, oh, can Denver get rid of Russell Wilson? Like in a couple of years, you probably can. But well, you're going to you're going to. That's what we need. We need somebody guy. with. a. But, you know, for how long when, when you trade, is it just you take the hit that year? No, I think it's like, because the salary gets picked up by the other person. If they, like, nobody's going to pick him up on waivers, though. They're going to just let him clear no, waivers. No, here, here's my point, though. But I think you don't have to pay out the entire contract. In a trade scenario, the the receiving team can cover the balance of the contract. Right. Well, it would be, I think how it works is, uh, yeah, you're just, you're still on the hook for the signing bonus and any, yeah. and any like, uh, bonuses involved in the deal. Because that, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, and I, I'm not sure how much he got guaranteed, but I would imagine it was, must have been eighty or ninety million of that. Do you remember what week we did that whole like quarterback? I do not thing, but yeah, it's going to be an interesting dynamic because it's funny that now two quarterbacks have signed big boy contracts, and I don't know if he's even started his new deal either. I think this was the last year of his rookie deal. Yeah. So I think his new deal hasn't even kicked in yet, which makes me just like Russell Wilson. Like, that's just I, – I don't know if this is going to – I mean, So here it is, two, two, $230 million, uh, It's a five-year contract. Um, his He has 30 mil- – I think it looks like it kicked in. $30 million for 2022. So this contract okay. has kicked in. Um, and then 189 guaranteed. guaranteed. Ooh. There's no way that yeah. they can move him. And you can spread that out over five years, but that's crippling your salary cap right there. So, Yikes. Well, I did, I did say demands a trade. Yeah. Maybe yeah, not actually that, gets it granted. There's no, no guarantee that's going to help. <laughs> but, but I think your scenario is more likely where they get rid of the coach. Steve Keim just 
Um, that guy just keeps hanging on. Well, somehow. he left because of some family or stress issues or something oh, that was right. announced today. So who knows what's going on with that? Are they overhauling this? Maybe just trying to save face and like, oh, he has to retire because he's having health issues or something or family issues. We'll see, man. Like who's 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 you think the Cardinals are allowing him to save face? Maybe he's just like I can't deal with this shit anymore, and I just Could I be. got family issues and stress. But he I'm has leaving. been he's been their GM for like ten years. Yeah, I'm pretty no. sure he's he's got a pretty good uh, must have a good relationship with Bidwell. So well, of course, I mean that's how you stay. Relationship building is how you maintain mm-hmm. your jobs. Um, so he hasn't done poorly. He just like a lot of the choices that he makes. He brings in old guys like JJ Watt and things like that that don't really. But the names he brings in names so i think the best way to build a team is from the core out and i don't think a lot of teams do that they go for yeah. splash guys and they try to fill holes that they perceive i Absolutely. think i think kyler murray was probably a good pick um who would have known he turned into kind of starts off really really good and then we're starting to see some cracks some chinks in the armor I mean, you're that small you can only take so many hits you can only you can't see over the middle like it's it's well I mean, we showed that we we talked about the chart his past chart right. everything's out out to the side not a lot of stuff over the middle it limits your offense but you think about it like maybe this air raid offense that cliff is trying to run is limited in the sense that kyler's limited yeah you know, what kind of play calls can you realistically call in those scenarios? You're looking at a defense going, they are all, they are covering everything on the outside. We got to do something different. And he, and yeah. Kyler's just fighting it. Who knows, man? But yeah, it's going to be language interesting sucks. thing That's what to watch. Know. It'll be an interesting thing to, to follow up on. Um, I'll tell you what, Patrick Peterson doesn't like him. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I heard that. Um, so yeah, that was your last. Uh, that was it project. for my take corner. Yeah. My my last take corner is just that, as a Seahawks fan, we're not making the playoffs, and I kind of wish we would have just been a crummy team all year instead of reeling off the getting getting to seven and five or seven and four or whatever it was before we we lost three or six and four before we lost three of these last four games uh, to just to get a better draft because we need all the help we can get on defense and uh, yeah I'm just. Like, where do you stand on tanking? Because I wish we would have tanked. Um, I think I'm generally against tanking. I think you try to do what you can to get where you... I, there are, especially in football, I don't think there's a lot of um, guaranteed first-rounders. Like... You can pick, you can have a couple of first round picks, but there's no guarantee that those guys are going to turn into anything. We did a podcast a couple a couple on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. We talked about the Browns and this really bad trade where they they gave up all uh, they got all these trades back from Atlanta so they could jump up and grab Julio Jones at the fourth pick, right. and they ended up with a boatload of picks and they came out with nothing. That's true. That's so, very true. And we have a tendency to find value in the in the later rounds. So if I was doing trades, obviously for a Russell Wilson starting quarterback level guy, we're talking a first round pick. That's without that. It's a, it's a non-starter, but then you go, how many picks can I pick up? Because if I can, if I can get more people in my doors, 
there's a better chance that I'm going to hit on 30% of them. And that's really going to help my team improve. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Cause I, yeah, like you were saying earlier, I don't. I see maybe one more win on the, the, in the on the books for for Seattle for this year, and it's going to be. I don't. I that that even that one's not a gimme. So. I say you're right there. Play for the playoffs um, as best you can, because I think the difference between like a tenth pick and a sixteenth pick yeah. is really not that big a deal. You're probably right. All right, off my soapbox. <laughs> All, All right, right man. Diversity, diversity section. Let's do it. All right, I just kind of put this in here as a bullet point. I don't know have a have a lot of thoughts about it, but there's a lot of people talking about kind of, you know, how Biden handled the situation. It was the Brittany Griner um, returning home, uh-huh. and some people were saying we didn't get enough. Some people are like, you know, it's a it's a they're a citizen, you know, they're out there doing the best that they can to make this happen, um, and it happens several times a year. There's a lot of um, I think Biden's done it like a handful of times, five, six, seven times, where he's, you know, in Mexico and Venezuela, Russia, where he's traded um, people. And right. honestly, if we can bring Americans back to Amer- you know, back to this country um, that were taken in other, you know, in other countries around the world. Yeah. Um, I I don't think a 10-year sentence for what she had on her was commiserate with, you know. They said that the in the Russian law, that it, and there's a lot of misinformation. I'm, I'm hoping that this is actually right because I didn't, like, fact check it. But they were saying that the equivalent of how much weed or, or it was uh, hemp the weed pen that she had, the yeah. vapor pen, uh, that it was equivalent to a misdemeanor even in Russia. So yeah. then they were just making an example out of her for sure. But I also saw some fantastic memes, Mike, about people saying this is the worst trade in uh, in the history of the world. And people are like, no, Russell Wilson's still a worse trade. <laughs> or like, uh, this trade was worse or that trade. It was, it was the fun. I mean, yeah, it was, a, it was a good time on Twitter for a few days there. And then I look at it like I'm going, now, this so-called angel of death gun runner that the movie was based off of that we gave back, Bout. He had seven years left on a sentence. And then what's going to happen? He's going to leave. He's almost, he's going to be kicked out. I mean, they're going to take him out. But yeah, um, there, I, I saw a report by Ryan Grimm from The Intercept. That, and he's got um, a source like in the prison where this, the whatever they call him, the what are they, what's his name? The, the, what, what are the, what's his nickname or whatever? The, the Angel of Death yeah, or whatever. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, so he has a source in the same prison that this guy's in saying that he's been in like the infirmary ward for like the last nine months and he's about to he's either like very very sick with cancer or some kind of disease or yeah i mean there's something seriously wrong with the guy yeah already plus uh this ryan Grimm guy did some reporting and saying they're like like countries around the world that want this guy dead to this day they they so like the guy's not safe even getting out like so there's no i mean it's an old sick man that and people are like oh it's the angel of death like what it's not like there's no guys this guy's been in jail for however many years. yeah there's like, a lot there's, of factors that go there's into still gun it. runners yeah. out there man like it's not like it was a vacuum that when you took him off the street it was all it all dried up jared leto's so. just running his business right now yeah you definitely look him and uh him and Jeff Bezos. 
They look like arms dealers for sure. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So my next one, um, there's this FTX situation. It was like this exchange. So I don't care. Like, it's like rich people getting pissed that somebody ripped them off when they just like rip people off on a regular basis. Other rich people rip them off. Yeah. (laughs) So um, the one thing that I thought was interesting, I flagged it um, that they bought like this Farmington State Bank in here in Washington State for eleven and a half million dollars. Um, FTX did? Yes. Um, the bank only had about $10 million of deposits. Most of those were, you know, farm-related loans. Um, and right after they, they purchased it, that $10 million jumped to, a, it jumped $84 million, um, in their deposits after the purchase. And that came from only four accounts. That's now, um, the original purchase agreement was $11.5 million for only 10% of the bank, which means that the valuation was put at $115 million for a bank that has three employees. <laughs> and only had $10 million. And only had $10 million in oh. deposits. Now, um, they changed the name to Moonstone, and they're going to start targeting digital asset and hemp cannabis industry uh, companies. Um, seems to me like a potential money, money money laundering situation. So it was kind of weird to see this kind of in the peripheral of news. And now, like, what does it mean? Shut, it, it, this wasn't shut down when FTX got went bankrupt or whatever. Mm-mm. Wow. That's well, FTX is layered again with several companies. Right. So it's like, what what actually was shut down? Was it the exchange? Was it the uh, other like physical bank that was behind it? Um, was it the um, they did uh, financial research. There's a financial research firm. He had all this money kind of floating in and out of these companies. Um, They're kind of, it's like a snake eating its own tail. That guy situation. seems so weird too, man. Yeah. Like he seems like a, he seems he's, like what the, he's, he's what they call a quant. You ever heard of that term uh, quant? Uh, no. They're the, the brains behind the financial thing. They come up with the algorithms, uh, you know, for, you know, predictive algorithms. Yeah. I've never heard that term, but that's uh, a smart people. Yeah. Quantitative. Smart. Not there me. You go. <laughs> I'm not a quant. All right. Anything else? For, oh, uh, and diversity. What do you got? Uh, do you have anything else? Nope. That's it. Okay. So yeah, um, I watched episode three of the Shaquille O'Neal uh, documentary on HBO Max. About halfway Shaq. through two right now. Um, yeah. So episode three takes you from uh, 2000 through 2003, uh, which was their three peat, and then 2000. You know, it was 2001 and 02 was the three peat. 2003 the wheels fall off the freaking train or whatever you want they it's the bus the bus okay anyway they the wheels on the bus were not going round and round mike they fell fuck off anyway they it's all the shack and kobe beef like kobe has a situation in colorado uh where he's being charged accused of rape or or whatever i'm not sure what the exact charges were but everybody knows about that i'm sure at this point uh then kobe says something about how shack has paid he knows for a fact that shack has paid off women in the past hundreds of thousands of dollars uh then these guys are like at practice together and just talking to different reporters talking shit about the other one like uh you know no kobe, don't give up too much because yeah, I, I don't okay. i don't want it to be like spoiled because right. i i missed part of this 
back okay. in the day. Okay, yeah. So co- they're firing shots no, at each other. No I won't. I won't try not to spoil it. The the locker room. Is, this is the year that they have Carl Malone and Gary Payton there mm. too. And they, those their guys last are run at it, chasing a ring. Gary, Gary yeah. got one a couple years later with Miami, yeah. but and Shaq. Um, and Shaq exactly. Uh, and yeah, like they're it's you know the buses are like Jerry and Jeannie are getting torn between the two guys. It, it was a and they still somehow made it to the finals against the Pistons, and I think they got beaten four or five games. But uh, and then that was just kind of the end of that yeah. run. And you know then then uh, Shaq goes to Miami. Phil's begging Jerry Bus not to let him go, and uh, you know it's it's uh, it's a whole whole thing. So it, it was very interesting. Um, I definitely recommend it if you have HBO Max. Uh, go check that one out. I got one note on this show that I, what I've witnessed so far. Okay, and it's mostly the first season or episode and a half. We talked about kind of where his roots were mm-hmm. up through kind of the time where he started getting over into the. Um, moving out that fight with penny and kind of moving into the the laker career yeah and i was really off put by how much how abusive phil was and how it was like it's being honored like Shaq was abused whether you like, whether you want to call we it that, we had to go or swim across the lake to go get a well, log or like, whatever. And... Well, that's <laughs> just absolute ridiculousness. Yeah. That that's clearly abuse. He, but he's also like physically picking him up and throwing him up, you know, against a wall and screaming in his face and stuff like that. Oh, the dad. My bad. I was thinking of Phil Jackson. Sorry, Phil Jackson. I was like trying to think where you were saying he was abusive. Like cause he made him swim to go get the log. Oh yeah, Phil. No, his dad was abusive as hell. Yeah, for sure. And, and just like from the mom to Shaq to every. Everyone in Shaq's family, it was just like they're praising him for for what he did to quote unquote shape who Shaq was. And I guess I get there's a part of what you perceived yourself to be back then that he fixed, mm-hmm. but he's also determining the narrative in a lot of way. Like you're a bad kid, I'm gonna punch you in your face and you're gonna do what I say. And then you look back on yourself as like I was a bad kid. I'm glad he did that because now I have four rings. And yeah. I just go like, ugh, it feels so. It's they, and they mention it a lot, like a lot. Yeah, about it's how, a, it's how a much he was beat up. And then there's the undertones of it too. Some of it's like right in your face, yeah. and then the other parts is like, yeah, if he didn't do that, you know, my dad was gonna. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's so definitely weird. a narrative that continues. So yeah, it continues on throughout the the third episode as well. But yeah, I mean, it was off putting. I mean, I'm still trying to like get past that and just kind of enjoy the rest of what's going on. But yeah. that's that's a really hard hurdle. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it. it not was not that Jack needs sympathy in the world, and no, he's definitely no. been able to overcome whatever he needs to do. But and those still, things create and still praises the man. I mean, that he's yeah. he's dead and gone now, but. Um, still, you know, there's there's multiple times in the episode where he's like, "Thank you, Phil." Like, looks up at the, you know, looks up to heaven or whatever, and says thank you constantly. In the, the you know, I just here, so. I I understand how sometimes those those things can affect your life, right? You know, yeah. And it just I don't I certainly don't see it the same way that Jack does. So I don't know. It's it's really strange. But yeah, I mean, if he and maybe he's gone to counseling and kind of overcome what what he dealt with or something or maybe it just doesn't affect him you know i don't know but 
Oh, it affected him. Yeah. There's no question. Just the way he talks about it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. He looks at it as a positive because his life turned out more or less pretty positive and he's been successful. Yeah, and I'm and sure he's, he a, was... he's a happy-go-lucky guy and everything's fine. And yeah. he has, you know, family around him that he loves and he has he loves his kids and all that kind of other stuff. But there's definitely things and if he didn't make it, I'm sure he would have a different perspective on it, you know. I don't know. I mean, happiness isn't always like financial success and that kind of success. Sometimes just happiness is just being appreciative of who you are in life. And maybe you can still achieve that in those environments. But let's stop calling, like pretending like that was something that he was generous, like his dad was generous for doing. Like, I thank God yeah. he was in my life to kick the shit out of me. Because otherwise, I would have never been able to do anything by myself. Yeah. That narrative is really troublesome to me. Yeah, I mean, different time, too. Different. That's different, the big uh, thing. You, you have yeah. to kind of put that in perspective, too. Different time. And it, we're, we're talking about, you know, down south. They, they do things a little different down there than we do them up here. Yeah, I mean, it's I just kind of take it with a grain of salt and, and try to keep it moving. But... No, I, I can see where you're Just to from. call out, yeah. enjoy the show. It's fun. Enjoy Shaq yeah, and all his worth, endeavors. Definitely He's worth fun. the watch for sure. But I'm just, I just, it's something that made me feel uneasy. Yeah. I'm speaking freely here. Okay. Yeah. No, it's, it's a safe space, Mike. <laughs> uh, so my, my second diversity thing is uh, Last Chance You mm. Basketball Season 2. I'm so glad you told me. Same, um, same school, same coach? Same coach, same oh, school. Dude. So the... The first, the first season of the basketball version of Last Chance U, which is a, it follows the, they started with football. They followed junior colleges at different places around the country. Couple in Mississippi, um, one like in Missouri. Yeah. Um, actually, a, a kid. Um, yeah, and then Oakland. Uh, a kid from that I actually coached in when he was in little league ended up at the one in Missouri. And then I just saw on Twitter that he graduated from UAB uh, after getting a scholarship to go there and play football, which is pretty awesome. I feel like, I mean, how does he feel about Trent? Didn't ask, (laughs) but no, he's, he's doing well. It's good to see. Um, And then, uh, so the basketball started and the basketball one came out, I want to say in early 2021 but it was covering the 2020 season, right? Like and the playoffs got stopped. Yeah, and this this like it almost made me like relive COVID. Like I was I was disturbed for like four days after watching the last episode of that show because they had to sh- they were going to the playoffs. They had to shut everything down, and COVID wiped it out. They they just had to go back they home. They canceled and the entire canceled playoffs. The season. Yeah, and a lot of these seasons. kids are you know, living on people's couches, trying to like, just for a chance to like get into this, one of these like top junior colleges in California and get a a chance to go back to a D one school. A lot of them have, have either failed out or been kicked off teams in D one. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just the particular coach, but if you look at, if you watch these shows, there is a, a complete difference between the way a football head football coach treats their players and the players that have obvious, like problems and then this basketball coach and how he handled those same issues yeah with love and care and maybe trust maybe a little bit uh surprised by the way this season goes oh really he flips i mean he like gets into some guy like there you have to but you you have to do it with he does it with love though he does do it with love he did it last season too but you could tell there was a trust and a love okay then on that on that yeah in the football one they were 
like they will use yeah. you and the second you mess up you're out you're out yeah and the people that really cared about these players when you watch that one was like the office staff and the teachers right that that they were talking to it wasn't yeah. the head coach yeah, and so so this one comes back, and they're now they're this is this would have been last season. All and, new new team. Uh, I think there's one or two kids from from that the last season over. that, okay. that held, were held over, but they haven't played. They so they that was in 2020, and then I think they missed a full year, and then oh, they're man. back for this last season. Um, but it was really it's it's just really interesting. They. Um, you know they they have a player. So last night I'm watching the Washington Huskies play Cal Poly um, and almost lose because they're terrible. UW is, but there's a kid on the team named Brian Penn Johnson who was at UW uh, and now he's at Cal Poly. And they're like, oh yeah, he went through East. Uh, he had transferred to LSU and got kicked out of there for grades. And they were like, yeah, he came through East LA community college or whatever the school is that they follow on this uh right. last chance you junior basketball. college is it junior yeah I, I think community college is, is in, what they call in, yeah in california or junior colleges but um either way they he he's like one of the the top like players that they document on this epi- on this season mm-hmm. so you hear a lot about like what happened at his time at uw and it was it was just like to me it was really interesting kind of behind the scenes look and then like he fails out of lsu and you know, like they, the coach talks a lot about the uh, how big guys are treated. Like a seven footer that looks like a freak athlete, like you're supposed to be the savior, mm-hmm. man. Like, what are you doing? Like, you're not good enough to play here. You're not good enough to play there. And he said that really got in his head at UW because he didn't play for the first two years because he was behind a bunch of guys that ended up being first round picks. And then he's like, I almost felt like I had to leave to go to LSU because I was embarrassed that I wasn't playing or getting this playing time or whatever. And then... Um, well, one of the things that I... I so to, to bring my point around, empathy is, I think, the difference in these kind yeah. of football and basketball. I feel like this coach has empathy and who, and who his, team's, his team is and what they're individually struggling with and how right. they can get them working together as a team while building the individual trust that a, like a father figure or a friend would have to do yeah. with another another person. The football one, very little empathy. A lot of people come from troubled backgrounds. Right. This is not a race or, or whatever issue. This is like, doesn't matter what color your skin is. There are people that come from backgrounds that, are, that make life, normal life challenging. And what you're dealing with a lot of these people that go from school to school to school to school is they haven't been taught the discipline. They haven't right. been taught how to do basic things in life. They get frustrated with things that are happening uh, that where other people can have the confidence or whatever to overcome. We also have to factor in, in many of these cases, they are superior athletes, but they also have depression and other mental issues that prevent them from being able to do this stuff. I remember one we in bet- deal with that a lot in this episode, in the season too. Perfect. And one of the things that I, one of the main thing I, there was this uh, one of the football players. I don't know what season it was, but definitely he was using uh, marijuana to like um, get his mindset in a place where he could manage the workloads and not go you know not be anxious. He was severe anxiety and. 
they were really harping on him in order to, like to stop doing that like that like that was a bad thing yeah and what he, he was self-medicating no 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 question yeah. but it was working and he was successful and then they they harp on instead of going like why is he why is he so much better when he's doing this and so hard to deal with when he's not doing this and go there's something here how can we help get him to a place where he's successful right they just kick him off the off the team yeah um these kids get passed around if you're not doing anything for me you can go goodbye that brings me to my next point is that they there's a kid on this team and i'm blanking on his name i should have written it down but you'll know if you watch the show and he is from akron ohio was rated as a fifth grader as the best fifth grader in the country like whatever the hell that means mm. and aau man no great came anything. through like got on a like one of the best aau teams in the country um you know he's living with his mother in akron ohio or east cleveland he said and just having like there's people dying outside of his house every night by either gunshots or drugs or whatever mm-hmm. so his one of the uh kids on his aau team's dad offers to bring him in well then they get an offer from another aau team to move out to california so this kid hasn't lived with his mom at home since he was in fifth grade he's basically just given to this parent who then did everything he could to profit off of this kid by moving him and his uh, and his son being able is to he get nefarious on. this He's like he won like they moved him out to Sacramento and he won three different state titles. No, my my but, point is the guy that moved him. Oh, I they, they didn't say his oh, name okay. or anything. I'm not sure who it is. No, my oh what is it a nefarious? You say to, to take advantage of him like that's that's what you said. The kid said that ever like he said I don't I can't trust adults like I can't, oh okay so I he can't it was adults. nefarious yeah. that whole so he okay. said yeah basically that they were using him. And then they, it was like, oh, we want you to move to this high school now and this high school. And you say he won three state championships in high school, didn't graduate from high school, didn't, you know, like doesn't have any, didn't get a college scholarship. And he's just like, this is my last chance. Like, I got to do something. He's Oof. riding like an hour on the bus or on the so train rough. every night to go back and forth to sleep on somebody's couch. And it's just like, like, but how bad, like they were calling him the next LeBron James when he was in fifth grade, he said. And like that, like has to screw a kid up. Yeah, beyond belief. You it sets it sets it sets unrealistic expectations for children. Yes, and I'm okay with dreaming, but like when adults get into that business of dreaming um, and try to push a kid into that kind of stuff, it it rarely goes well. Yeah, there's one other one quick story I want to tell too from this that one of the coaches is having a conversation with this kid who they, and they have like 20 players that all drop down from D1 schools or D2 schools that are thinking that they're the best player on the team right sure. so it's hard to manage all these egos this one kid is just pissed off that he's not playing he finally gets into a game and does pretty well the coach is talking to him at practice the next day or whatever and he's just like man uh, and the kid's like, I need to change this class over to this class. And he's like, all right, we'll go talk to the counselor and we'll get that switched up. And he's like, but and he's like, you know, by next year, you'll be out of here. And he's like, no, coach, I'm trying to go to the NBA. And the coach is like, first of all, if you can't get out of East L.A. Junior College, you're not going to the NBA. Like, you need to get your shit together, basically. Go get this grade figured out or get this class figured out, get switched over. 
and we'll go from there. And, uh, and he's like, if you make it to the NBA right now, he's like, the best you can – he's like, if I squint my eyes and picture you in the NBA, you're coming off the bench as like a 3 and D backup point guard. You're not, you're not out there starring. And, and the, like, you think the, kid, the kid's like, you know, very intently listening. He's like, yeah. And the coach stops talking, and the kid's like, but coach – they gave Kelly Oubre $14 million. I got to go to the NBA. They're giving everybody money. Kelly Oubre is 6'10 and is 3 and D. <laughs> they killed him, though. I was dying laughing that he just called Kelly Oubre out and said how I'm much money he's making. Taking L's. Oh, man. I'm anyway, excited. I need to yeah, watch this it's yeah, a good when one, I find so. time. All right. Awesome. Anything else? That's all for me. All right. So normally I do like a blind quote of the week, something that I've that's relevant for what we've kind of yeah. talked about that particular week. And I... I, I kind of change some of the, the wording so it makes sense for like a podcast or something like yeah. that. So, or, you know, like I said, but this one, I saw a tweet uh, from Colin Cowherd um, about Mike Leach. And I just wanted to write it, give, obviously give him credit for saying it and then just kind of read it verbatim. Um, for those who love college football, it's quirkiness, unique offenses, youthful spirit are significant part of that. Mike Leach embodied so many things that make the sport this makes sports fun even better he shared them with so many people he let us in r.i.p coach leach 